So welcome to Swords and Misery, an actual play RPG podcast. For those unfamiliar, an actual play podcast is when a group of people get together and they play a game. Uh, the only difference is we record it and then we put it on the internet. Uh, my name is Melkor. I'll be GMing or, or refereeing the story. Uh, we're going to take you to the world of The Blight. It's a campaign setting published by Frog God Games. It was created by Richard Pett. Uh, the, the Blight is a very dark, morbid urban setting centered around uh, the city-state of Casterhag. Uh, also known by the locals as the Blight. And we're going to be playing through a nine-part adventure called the Levy that's going to pit our adventurers against various districts and denizens of a very unforgiving city. Uh, now, Frog God Games released this campaign setting for, for Pathfinder, uh, for D&D 5th Edition, and for Swords and Wizardry. After purchasing a, a PDF copy of the 5th Edition version of the setting, I, I was flat out determined to make this game happen. At the time, I wasn't even considering a podcast, I just had to play this campaign setting. After doing a bit more research, I wanted to find out what the hell Stories of Wizardry was. Uh, I've never heard of it until I started looking at Frog God Games. It seems like every one of their products was released for uh, this game system. Stories of Wizardry is basically a rewriting of the original game rules. Since I was the only one of us to play any D&D system uh, pre-third edition, uh, I was the only one familiar with the really clunky to hit tables and the Thacko score. If you guys have ever played Baldur's Gate video game, you'd know what that is. Uh, but the beauty of Swords and Wizardry is that it's written so that any player can go back to this version of the game and play the system in this style, or you can carry over the modern version. So it's a relatively rules-light system, especially when you compare it to Pathfinder. Uh, so you can kind of see as we go, it's a little bit of a challenge for the players to get used to and for myself to get used to. Uh, and on that topic, I do apologize ahead of time for any old school players. We're going to mess this up for you. So please just enjoy the ride. Uh, if you don't know the rules, don't worry about it. Uh, the system is so rules light that it's going to be very easy to enjoy this without being familiar with the system. Uh, for anyone familiar with our flagship podcast, uh, the Strange Gods podcast, where we play through uh, the Jade Region Adventure Path from Paizo using the, the Pathfinder system. Uh, you're going to hear some some familiar players. Uh, but we also have two new ones that you guys have never heard before. I want to keep this relatively short, so without further ado, here is our cast of players, and please enjoy episode one of Swords and Misery, Something Wiccan This Way Comes. Uh, hi, I'm Barry Claire. You probably know me from the other podcast if you've listened to it, which I don't know why you'd be listening to this one if you didn't listen to that one first. Um, I'm mostly experienced with Pathfinder and 5e. Um, I'm playing Swords and Wizardry because I wanted to play a system where nothing made sense and you made up all the rules as you went. I'm Cap. I've been playing Pathfinder for a few years, 5e very little, and I have recently GM'd Mini 6 of the Open D6 system, and I'm here because I like trying any new system. Hi, I'm Brown Guy, uh, <laughs> named Sizzle. Uh, I've played Pathfinder for the greater part of a decade. Um, I started playing RPGs with uh, three third edition, jumped to three five, tried fourth, didn't like it, found Pathfinder. I haven't played much of Five E, but uh, I'm very excited to see how the Swords and Wizardry system works because I know it was um, it's old school. I want to see what that's about. 
I am Izzy. I am also uh, much more experienced with 5e and uh, Pathfinder, both as a GM and a player. Uh, so I am also excited to play a older school system. Oh yeah, and I'm Puddles. I don't matter, apparently. So, whatever. Who cares what I've played? We know Nobody does. I skipped you. Right? you friggin' woman, alright. <laughs> alright, go ahead. No, it doesn't matter. I don't even want to do it. I'm Puddles. I've played Pathfinder. Um, more Pathfinder. Um, some 5e, I guess. Oh, maybe one or two shitty Call of Cthulhu games. I mean, they were DM my mail course, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's cute. Alright, yeah. It's taking us there. Alright. We're in the, the small little hamlet of, of, of Wiccan, guys. Wicked. Tiny little village. Alright. So this is the, the first day of Celebrate, which is, which is October. So it is the fall. It's been a uh, very unusually long and mild summer. The nights are beginning to get cooler. Slowly, you guys are transitioning from fresh-picked fruit to uh, to winter vegetables and warm coats. See people start layering up. No more shorts and t-shirts. The, uh, the hot sun is transitioning to a cool, brisk breeze from the north. The last of the apples are being picked off, the, the leafless apple trees. These warm ciders and apple pies are kind of a staple. So we're gonna take you to the uh, we're gonna take you to the landmark of, of Wiccan, the Church of Saint Alman. There we see a, uh, a young man sitting painting on a canvas. He's surrounded by easels, all displaying beautiful paintings of, of majestic angels. They're all the work of, of Father Gromwell, who's the previous patriarch of the church. So you see a very pale man with a, a brown haircut and a tonsure uh, pacing between, uh, pacing behind the artist. He says, uh, Cecil, I, I can't help but feel that your, your heart is just not in this work. Uh, just because Father Gramwell has departed, that does not mean that your work should suffer. Why don't you go, go take a break? We'll, we'll, we'll commence again later. Uh, Gail Redmayne said that she has a barrel of cider ready for us. Please uh, go fetch it before that idiot son of hers and his, uh, his, his friend there accidentally loaded for the market. Very well, Pritch Chubb, and I will tell you, Father Gramwell's departure means everything to my work. Alright, so tell us a little bit about Cecil. Cecil is a scruffy half-elf who has a phobia of mirrors and therefore grooming himself. Um, he is an autodidact and a bit of a snide little shit who thinks he's much too big for a little hamlet like Wiccan. He has been marked by the magical realm called the Between. It has manifested in his eyes. There's something odd about his gaze. There's a... Uh, it gives the impression of nightmares fish moving beneath the scummy film of a deathly still pond. And usually people don't like to look at him in the eyes, a move that he usually takes for submission rather than disgust. Uh, he is one of the resident artists of the church, painting rather blasé... Um, or painting rather blasé depictions of angels and saints. Um... Well, in his free time, he tries to get across the more disturbing images that come from his nightmares. All right, so you leave. You leave the church. You head down to the uh, 
to the Smiling Pig Inn. Outside, you see a, uh, a tan-skinned halfling with red hair. He's pushing a barrel in front of the inn. There's a wagon that's waiting for the villagers to bring their assorted autumn fruits and vegetables and other goods to to be taken to the market in, in Casterhig. Uh, so the halfling... Hey, hey Callan, could you give me a hand with this barrel? Uh, so who, who is Callan? Who, who are we talking to? Who is this guy? Callan is a a man, a human man. He's wearing a pair of chartreuse-colored corduroy coveralls. Um, he's been a resident of Wiccan for the last two years. Um, he is permanently scarred, both physically and mentally. He's got bright blue eyes, though both are completely misaligned, with either looking in the opposite direction of the other. His jaw is completely broken off. It was too fractured to be put back in place and is now held together by an unwieldy wooden and steel brace across his head and face. His left ear was torn off completely uh, some years ago from some unknown accident, and it looks like his face was... It looks like someone took some sandpaper to it over and over again. Uh, he stands lurched over at about 5'6". He's got patchy graying sideburns and unkempt and wild dark brown and gray curly locks that comes down to his shoulders. He'll walk over to the barrel and assist Gideon with a grunt. Thanks. Yeah, Mom says we got like six more of these, so we better fit them all on here. All right. Oh, hey, Cecil. Yeah, Mom's got a barrel for you. It's inside. Hello, Gideon. Uh, he wants me to carry a barrel as well. Uh, no, he's sending you inside to, uh, to get your barrel. My barrel of what? Barrel of cider. Okay. So you walk in, you see a, uh, a beautiful young woman with, uh, wavy brown hair. She's got green eyes, very pale skin. Uh, she, you see her sitting there talking to a dwarf who I assume is crocheting. He doesn't crochet in the open. Please, he's at his job. He must look intimidating, fierce, which is not hard to do, because that's how he always looks. Um, These are dwarven war needles for poking out eyeballs. You can't use knitting needles that way. Wait, why am I, I, why am I Scottish? Again, too, too many characters <laughs> like this, okay? Okay, so he's, he's, a, he's a, no, not all dwarfs are Scottish, screw that. He's, he's a blonde dwarf. He's got sideburns so long he ties them in a knot together under his cheeks. He has no beard, but he has very long mustaches. Very bushy. They come down to about mid-chest, I guess. Bushy eyebrows, big nose. He looks, like, really ugly. As in, you look at him and you kind of want to throw up a little in your mouth. So anytime there's a fight around, he just walks up to them and they're like, Ugh! Okay, I better, guess I better stop talking because they have to hurl. He's wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Good. It's unusual for Wiccan. It's good to have a, a clothed dwarf he always around. Has, he always has a, a crochet hook or a pair of knitting needles in and about his person, but they are not readily visible. If you look very carefully, you can perhaps see the edge of a home knitted or crocheted garment or piece of decoration on his person. However, 
he tries to keep them hidden because they are not for everyone. So I can say, hey, hey, Sissel. Yeah, I'm, I don't know why I keep pronouncing you as Sissel. Close to it. Sissel. Sissel. It's because hey. of Sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I didn't. I didn't account for that. Sizzle. <laughs> yes. Sizzle. Exactly. What? Uh, Who are you talking to? Confusions. I'm so confused. She says, oh, hi, "Hey, Sizzle. Yeah. Um. Uh, Gail. Gail left your barrel of cider outside. Um. Uh, Jerry, want to give me a hand? We can uh, take it down to the church. Um. Wait. I thought it was inside." No, no, Gail. Gail put it outside. It, it it says it says Elman Church on it, right on the side. Does anyone have any idea what's going on here? Yes, uh, well, Gail would. I don't know where she is though. Um, uh-huh. yes, let's let's go find out what happened. And she kind of storms outside. No, well, thank you, Agnes. Jerry follows. Uh, hello, Jerry. How is your <clears throat> your day going? Sure. <laughs> Avoiding looking at your face too closely. You guys. You gotta step outside. Mm-hmm. Gideon and, and Callan finally have all the barrels on the on the wagon. Uh, you see a uh, you see a man approaching with two large bags. That you you would know him. This is Athar. Uh, he's bringing in his uh, his wool shipment to uh, for the for the wagon to head out to ha- to Casterhig. So give us a little bit of information about Athar. So Athar is a very stocky. Uh, 32-year-old human farmer. Um, He spent much of his younger years uh, serving the church, um, and uh, he he was a little too gruff. Um, People don't kind of think he's uh, kind of intimidating, and uh, he married at a relatively young age of 23, uh, and took up the life of a farmer to provide for his wife, Ava, and uh, his now four-year-old son, Lachlan. Uh, a lot of people kind of regard him, like I said, as uh, gruff due to his intimidating appearance. Um, and he largely keeps to himself, kind of only going into town to do trade and uh, maybe help out those in need. But uh, the rare few people that are allowed within arm's reach of him uh, quickly learn that he has the heart of gold. Uh, and he's, he's kind of like everyone's uh, grumpy older brother. You know, he's he looks grumpy, acts grumpy, but uh, he's there when you need him. Cool. So Gideon's like, oh, hey, Athdar. Uh, yeah, just throw it, throw it anywhere on the wagon's fine. Just put it right on the back. It should be good. It'll stop the, it'll stop the, uh, the barrels from rolling and falling off the back. You want me to tie him down? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Agnes comes over. What are you, what are you doing, Gideon? Gideon, did you take the, did you take the, uh, the almond church barrel? It's like, um... Was it? It wasn't out here. No, I, I thought it was inside. She's like, no, 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 no. She climbs up on the on the wagon, starting to starting to look through it all. She's like, oh yeah, here it is. Here it is, Cecil. Yes, uh, somebody give me a hand. Callan will chop his hand off and offer it to her. Walk up and offer hands to help. Oh, thank, thank you, Callan. It's uh, it's so nice of you. Yes, Agnes. Uh. Why don't Cecil? I'm sure you're not in a in a rush to get back. Uh, you guys all have everything on there. Let's um, uh, you guys you guys want some cider before you head back to where you're going? Absolutely. Anything to keep me away from Merryweather for a little while longer. Oh, excellent. Let's let's uh, 
Yeah, everyone's invited. Please, we have some uh, some fresh venison from yesterday. Uh, uh, Boroner brought it down. Um, he should be back anytime too. I know they're out. They're out hunting. She heads on in. You guys go in there. Um, you see an, an older-looking halfling come out of the uh, uh, out of the kitchen area. She's like, Agnes, yes, everyone, everyone's here. Good, good, good. Just tap. Uh, there's there's some cider right there. Just tap it to some. Uh, some mugs in the back. You guys help yourself. It's been a, it's been a long harvest. Please sit and relax. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll build the church. How does that sound, Cecil? And she starts laughing. Jerry will stand in the in the corner, watching over everyone, intimidating yep. everybody. If he sees a fight, he's gonna break <laughs> it up. Uh, but after after join. Yeah, can't turn down cider. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take a little peek outside of Wiccan in uh, in the woods. You've got a, uh, a half-orc and a, a young woman. Um, she's got strawberry blonde hair, freckles, kind of pale skin. Uh, she's got a bow slung over her shoulder. Uh, the two of them are carrying a uh, fresh-killed deer uh, back to town. Who is this half-orc? What does he look like? What is he doing? His, uh... Yeah, so he's a, uh... Very pale skinned for an orc because of his uh, uh, unique heritage. Still uh, definitively green, but not near just enough to see it. And he lacks the super pronounced teeth of most half orcs, but nonetheless, he's still very clearly a half orc. He originally hails from the Blight with the typical cliched uh, orphan backstory. And. Lived on the streets for some time before being pressured out and ending up here in Wiccan. He took up employment with uh, the local poacher Grog and resides with him. What he's doing at this moment is uh, returning with the kill that they just brought in. Okay. So you guys are you guys are on your way back, kind of making small talk, passing some time, and you start hearing this loud rumbling, like large footsteps. Eliza's like, hey, oh, did you hear that, Barner? Yeah. What could that be? It's, um, it's coming from over here, and she just kind of takes off in a in an eastward direction. Oh. Uh, wait, could be dangerous. She's like, it's alright, we'll just, we can, we can hide, let's, let's, let's look, let's look over here. And, um, you see her, she kind of runs ahead, and you see her just freeze in place. Like, she just stops, like she's staring at something, like she saw a ghost or something like that. You can see there's a small clearing ahead. Um, as as you approach, you see it too. You see five large ogres, what looks like a small garrison of about three dozen men staring there, all clad in plate mail. All have swords. Some of them have bows. They're all standing there. There's a there's a guy kind of barking orders at him. She's like, oh, "What do you? Wh- what is it? What are they doing? Do you know?" Uh, whatever it is, it ain't good. Are you not there, Rafter? I. <laughs> <laughs> My God grants me far seeing. Uh, I've, I've uh, never seen ogres before. What, what could they be doing? Why are they with humans? It, uh, looks like some... Wow, I turned into Elvis. Um, <laughs> it, uh, looks like some kind of army. Wow, I, I can't get the Elvis to go away. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. I'm not nothing but a half fork. Nothing but a half fork. She's like, I want to, I want to know what they're saying, and she just she starts like darting ahead, sticking to like the bushes, like kind of ducking and hiding, getting as close as she as she feels is comfortable. And she turns and she looks, and you guys, you guys have like this unspoken language. So she kind of looks over, just gives like a finger thing, like she like waves at you, to, signals you to come over there, uh, tells you to duck down. Yeah, I follow, I follow close, and keep low. Uh, so as as you approach, you can start hearing them, hearing the guy, the guy who's kind of barking at the rest of them. You can hear him uh, clearer and clearer. So, says, "Remember, we want to take as many alive as possible. I know deaths are inevitable, but that's all right." Longthorn Rage wants the dead too. It'll be easier to interrogate that way. He just kind of laughs. So he turns. He turns to the ogres and he says, "After that, the village is yours. Do what you do as you wish. Remember, we want it raised. Raise it to the ground. Destroy it. Anyone we forget is all yours." So one of the one of the soldiers speaks up. He says, "Well, what if we find him? Are we taking him dead or alive?" He's like, "Yeah, don't worry. He's not there. We're not. We're not looking for him. We're trying to figure out where he is." Um. They continue talking. What do you want to do? Boranor is definitely uh, going to to signal to Eliza that we need to we need to move and get moving back in the direction of town. Okay. She sees it. She kind of nods in agreement, and uh, she turns to run. And she snags herself on a on a branch. She falls down, and it's it's a real subtle noise. It's really really quiet you can hear like a, a small twig breaking or something uh, like she just lands on a stick just right you hear it cracking and she just has like an oh shit look on her face and then you look over and then uh, a couple of the guards stop and they, they look in your general direction like they're searching for something she's like we need to go she just gets up and she runs as fast as she can yeah Boronor breaks into a sprint behind her as well uh so you guys are heading to town. What what part of town do you want to head to? Do you want to head to, you know, the uh, the church, you know, the inn? Uh, there's not really like a centralized government, not really many people. Uh, no guards, no garrison, or anything like that. Um, where do you guys head? We need to uh, warn the town that this is an invasion. Head to the inn. That's where we're likely to have the most people. Yes, let's go. And she just runs as fast as she can. Uh, you guys drop the deer, just leave it. Just run away. Alright. So you're heading to town, back at the inn. Behind you, you hear, ooh, breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Free deer. This'll stall us for a little while. <laughs> um, time for a snack. Alright, so back at the back at the inn. You guys are all laughing, having a good time. Uh, you, you guys start hearing, like, it sounds like thunder. It sounds like something's going on. Agnes is like, what's, what's that? Wasn't it been cloudy out? Is, is there a storm coming? Callan will peek his head out the window. Yeah, clear skies. A little cool. Cherry knows his face doesn't hurt or go. It's not going to rain. No, no storm. Agnes, Agnes steps outside. What is? What's making all that noise? Maybe it's Merryweather's stupid father trying to wake up the town again. Callan, Callan will follow Agnes out the front of the tavern. So will Jerry. And uh, you guys step outside, you start hearing screaming. In the distance, you can start seeing smoke uh, billowing up. Uh-oh. 
That doesn't look good. You see two people, two humanoids running to you as fast as they can. You guys immediately recognize Borner and, and Agnes. Uh, sorry, Borner. You immediately recognize Borner and Eliza. Eliza comes running over. We have to. We have to get out of here. This. This. So ogres, there's, a, there's an army of men. They, they say they're going to raise the place to the ground. We have to run. Oh, uh, hide. Let's hide. No, they're going to burn the town to the ground. We need to flee. <gasps> My siblings. Jerry's going to run to his house and start gathering his 13 minus 7. Six siblings. After I would get out the word Rockland and take off running towards his home as well. Callan would want to make sure that Agnes is safe. Agnes, come! Hide! Yes, Agnes, stay close with Callan, and if they come to kill them, make sure you hide behind him. I'm going to go get my paintings, at least the ones I care about. <laughs> We're all worried about people, and Cecil's like, wait, my material belongings! <laughs> As he wanders into the church, he starts uh, rooting through some uh, some of his his personal work, and then he looks over his shoulder and goes, Oh, by the way, Preacher Chubb, I thought you might want to know, uh, town's about to be raised, you might want to get going, or, I don't know, die in the church, whatever it is you want. Uh, I relinquish my novitiate, uh, Lady Grace does not have my worship, uh, have a nice day. Was it some kind of joke? <laughs> Runs out. Uh, <laughs> 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 He's just looking around. Alright, so we have Athar's run. You immediately... Uh, you cross the bridge over the river that runs through the town. And you can, you can see what's going on. You see there is um, an, an ogre, probably about, I'd say... Six or seven houses down. It's a little shorter on the map, but about six or seven houses down. He's got he's got a torch. He's just taking it and he, he lights a house on fire. You can hear screaming. Uh, there's a family that comes out, mother and father. You got two kids. They come running. Um, one of the soldiers just walks right over, stabs the man in the back. The man falls down. Uh, the other ones, other soldiers, quickly go over. They grab the woman. They grab the children. You see what looks like a um, uh, horse-drawn cart coming close to the town. It's like, hey, bag these ones. Yeah, we'll, we'll come get them in a, in a little bit. And uh, they just take like these burlap, burlap sacks, stick them over their heads. They see them tying, uh, tying their hands, just kind of putting them on their knees in the ground, uh, right next to the dying or dead father there. Um, same things going on everywhere. You see people running. You see the guards grabbing them. Some of them are getting killed. You see one of the ogres just takes his club, just almost cleaves a guy, or, uh, almost knocks a guy's head right off his shoulders as he's running away. You see all this shit going down. Where, where in relation to where that army is, my family? Where would they be? Your your house would be directly to the east of town, so your your normal route would take you straight through the crowd of soldiers and orders. I think his priestly background would want him to help the people in need, but as a father, I think I, he would like try to skirt uh, around the houses to the south, and as stealthily as as a super stocky human in plate mail can sneak, just try to sprint past to get to his. Uh, child before. So he is running uh, 
Cecil's gone to the church, grabbed his shit, gave uh, Mary Rose the finger. Jerry's gonna check on his family. Um, so who, who, who would be home, Jerry? Well, three kids. The others are out playing in the woods. I don't want to keep track of more than three, three NPCs. <laughs> what about the dog? The dog, Caffeine, he's with us. Yes, he's with us. What's his name? Caffeine is with us. Caffeine. Caffeine? Alright, makes sense. Yes. Okay. Alright, so what do you do? Well, kids, come! We're, we've got to go! There, the town is fire, just come on, hurry up. But why? Because I said so. Get out! So calm. <laughs> okay. Uh, Borner, what's Borner doing? He's, uh, he's gonna be going and. Uh, anywhere he thinks there might be people left who haven't gotten caught up yet uh, with the army, he's going to be going with uh, Eliza and trying to warn anyone just to flee to the woods. Run away. Alright. Uh, Callan, what are you doing? Uh, Callan is... Um, he's not really sure what to do. He just wants to make sure that Agnes is safe, and he's kind of looking for cues from either her or Gideon, who looks like who's still outside next to Cart. Um, yep. Gideon the child? Gideon? The, uh, Gideon's an old guy. He's like 27. He's a, he's a halfling, right? He's just yeah. a halfling, so he looks like a kid, yeah. I thought you said he was a child. Yeah, Callan's kind of like, he's, he's like grabbing Agnes by like her elbow, like, hide, run! What, what's happening? Come, Agnes! Gideon's like, what, what? Who are those guys? What are they doing? It's, this doesn't make sense. What are they doing? And um, Gideon's like, I, I have to, I have to go warn Mom. And she, he, he just runs in the, runs into the inn. Agnes is like, Gideon, Gideon, come back. We have to leave. She goes into. Um, I'll, I'll go in after Agnes. All right. I'll just stand at the door, I guess. So Akhtar, you are, you are running. You're kind of skirting, skirting the crowd. Trying not to be seen. You you run around a corner of, of one of the buildings, you kinda sneak in stealth and making sure nobody's around. And you uh, almost immediately run into a soldier that was standing there. And he takes the, the hilt of his sword and he just knocks you in the side of your head. Uh, and you pass out, you kind of fade. You don't know what happens next. Cecil, you got your paintings. Where are you going? Um, he will wander out into the middle of town, sort of look in every direction. Go, hmm. Uh, is the wagon still hitched? The wagon's still hitched, yep. Alright, he's going to run over, uh, look inside the inn. It's like, yes, oh, good. Uh, three people I can stand the most in this town. Now, come on, uh, I don't think there's much room on the wagon. Uh, we could probably ditch the cider. Let's go. And he's going to mount up. Jerry, Jerry runs up with his three siblings, plus dog and tow. Uh, no, 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 I, I, uh, that, I wasn't inviting you. Um, see, I, I'm sure if you squatted in the river or something, they'd miss you. You're, you're very small. Well, we're going <coughs> to head towards the woods then. Cecil, uh, I mean, Callan, um, will kind of urge Agnes. Uh, Agnes, cart, wagon. Come. How are we gonna go? And she, like, she just blindly, blindly follows you out the door. You guys climb, climb in the back. It's pretty, it's pretty full. Gideon, Gideon runs out. 
Hey, mom, mom won't come. Let's let's just come. I can't I can't leave mom. And he'll just turn and he'll go back in. You're a good sort, Gideon, and I'm sure that you're. I'm sure that the reduction of your body weight will let us go even faster. You see, my plan is if they've set up a barricade, we'll just sort of ride into it. You see, a horse and cart are very heavy. It's simple applied physics. And if it stinks, Cal's gonna reach his uh. Reaches uh, hands back to help lift Agnes onto the cart with barrels, and uh, he's, he's gonna say, um, "Agnes, daughter, quick!" And he has never called her that before up until this moment. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't even flinch. She climbs on. She pulls out like a little pocket knife she has, and she starts cutting away at the the ropes of the barrels. And she turns them over. She kicks a couple of them off. She's, she's She's like, wait, wait, let's let's just make enough room. We can we can we, we can we can dump them out and, and, and maybe we can make the soldiers trip and fall or something. I, I don't know. I saw it in a cartoon once. Cartoons <laughs> are a thing in this world. No. Zoinkies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so yeah, so you, you guys you guys get the wagon going. Yes. You've got um, Cecil starts whipping the reins. Like, come on, you stupid beast! You were made for one thing. Now do it. Okay. Yeah, the, the horse is kind of reluctant. It starts moving. Um, now, Jerry, what are you doing? Jerry was running towards the um, forest with his siblings and dog in tow because he knows that nobody's... Well, Cecil's not going to let him on the wagon, and nobody probably cares enough about him to actually wonder where he's going, so he's running away with his siblings. Alright, Borner, you're running You're running towards... You're running towards the house just trying to save people. Yeah. Um, Liz, uh, have we... Have you seen Grog? Have you spotted Grog yet? I, d- I don't know. I don't know where he is. I can't. I can't see anything. There's, there's so many dead people. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where he could be. I, is that is that him over there? I, I don't know. And yeah, you, know, you look around. You can't. You can't see him anywhere. But you're, you're seeing the same thing. There's so many. So many people just lying on the ground. You can't tell who's dead, who's who's alive. What? There's just so much going on. Um, we. We should go back to his house. We should go for him, Sh- shouldn't we? Yes, let's let's go. Let's go. And, uh, she she immediately starts running down the road. Um, you guys turn. It's a side alley. Uh, she heads in there first, and uh, she starts running. And you just you just hear you just hear a thud. She goes around the building. You hear a thud. You see an ogre just come around the corner. And uh, he's he's holding her he's holding her limp body. You don't know she's not bleeding in any way, but uh, he's just holding her holding her body. He walks around the corner. He just throws her down, and he just immediately starts running right at you. Um, he is you have no chance. He just runs right over to you, and almost with supernatural strength, just. Uh, swings a club at you, you find yourself just flying through the air and you don't know what happens after that. Yeah, I want to say at the very least that Bornor would have been charging right at him too with all the senseless bravery. <laughs> yep. Fighter to the end. Callan and Agnes are in the back of this this wagon. You can see Agnes is just, she's shaking. She's just scared. Uh, Cecil, you're up front trying to drive the horses. Trying to drive the, I guess, horse. Um, Alright, so you're heading straight for it. You, you head straight for town. You know, the, the main road goes one way. Uh, heads right to Caster Hague, but 
quite a ride. Um, you go through and just almost immediately you guys bring as soon as you hit the residential area, it's like they just come out of nowhere. I mean, there's just so many soldiers, just everything. An ogre just takes his club just out of nowhere, knocks the horse, the horse just topples the cart right over. Uh, barrels go everywhere. Uh, Callan, you're knocked out of the back. You can see Agnes is uh, stuck. She's awake. Her, her legs are stuck underneath the barrel. Is it? I, 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 just, just, just go, Callan, go! No, Agnes! Cecil, you're you're thrown a bit. Uh, you're still you're still conscious. What do you do? Alright, he's gonna stagger to his feet and start waving his hands and go. You gentlemen have no idea the kind of power you're messing with. And I'm gonna roll for bluff, which I need to beat my. Uh, I'm gonna roll the illusionist bluff, which I need to beat my saving throw for. I definitely do not. And I think, okay. to, I think to, with a 6 uh, against a 15 DC, I think I, I finish off that board display by collapsing into the mud. Yeah, you collapse into the mud, you just kind of fade. You don't know what's happening, you hit your head pretty hard. Uh, so at this point, we just have we just have Cecil and Agnes, right? Everybody else is down. Uh, Jerry's in the woods. I'm on yep. the bridge still. No, you get knocked out. But I get up again. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> oh, Chumba Bumba. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Agnes, Agnes' leg is stuck. Cecil, what are you doing? Cecil or Callan? Sizzle? Uh, Callan. Callan, what are you doing? <laughs> Sizzle, I meant. I said Sizzle. Uh, <laughs> I said Cecil. <laughs> uh, she's stuck under the. Uh, yeah, her legs the are stuck underneath the barrels. And uh, I got thrown aside. Yep. And you see the ogres, the ogres are just coming, they're converging on the wagon. I mean, it's a big thing, just running into this crowd of people, they're running over. I don't... Callan's gonna have tunnel vision. All he sees is his, um... In his mind, his... His daughter stuck underneath the wagon, and he's going to beeline it to her and try and lift the wagon up to, to let her free. Okay. Oh, Agnes! Run! Runs over, grabs it, starts lifting with all of his strength. His eyes are popping out of his head. More than they were already. Exactly, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So you can see her her leg is finally freed. She she gets up, starts moving back, shifting back, and she just stops and she stares. And she's staring straight behind you. Run! Uh... And you don't see it as an ogre just swings, doesn't even use his club, just swings, punches you on the side, and you knock out. Everything goes black. Last thing you see is, is Agnes looking scared, stuck in the wagon. As the as you one of the last conscious thoughts you have is the, the barrel falling back down on her leg. So Jerry, you got the you got the dwarven kids, you got some caffeine. Yep. You're running north out of town. Uh Start heading to the forest. Um, you see, you've got you've got the three kids. You got the dog. You're running. You hear the kids screaming, crying, and then you hear like quiet for a second, and you turn and look, and one of the children has an arrow sticking out of his chest. Gary, no! 
What's his name? Gary. Oh, Gary. Not Larry or Terry. <laughs> well, there's two more kids with me. Just... The other kids start screaming. You just see arrows flying everywhere at you. Larry, Terry, quick! <laughs> and he grabs them and keeps running, just tears streaming down his face from his little brother Gary. Okay. Alright. You're running. And you feel an arrow just go into the back of your leg. You tough it up, you're still going. You keep running. Again, you feel another arrow. This is Baramir straight out of friggin' Lord of the Rings. Just arrow after arrow. Uh, through my knee. Eventually. All through the one knee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way too many arrows. It can never be an adventure after this. <laughs> As he dog. stumbles to his knees, he, t- he turns to his siblings. He says, Larry! Terry, f- find Tom. Find Tom, okay? He's he's in he's in the place, you know, with the people. Just go, find Tom. You'll be okay. Don't look back. Ooh, Run. What? Take caffeine with you. <laughs> you turn immediately go back to the village. No, Tom is Tom is the oldest sibling. Right. Sibling. He's moved out. He's moved out. They do yeah. not go back to the fucking village. Caster Hague. That's where he is. He lives somewhere, like a big city. He doesn't know. That's why he said the place with the people. We don't know. <laughs> So you see, you see the two kids, and they just they just start running off into the distance with the dog, and then you fade out, and you can't see anything anymore. Gary, have I killed everybody yet? I, th- I think I think you've you've laid you've laid waste to us. All right, you're all gone. So you guys are all knocked out. You have no idea what's going on. You wake up some time later. Your memories are really hazy. You've been shuffled around, your arms are bound behind you, uh, this canvas over your head. Uh, for some time, you're just being led from place to place. Uh, at one point, you get tossed into the back of a cart. You know, this sackcloth is really chafing my ears. Couldn't you cut some holes or something? And you club the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that solves all problems. <laughs> You don't know how much time has passed. It could be hours, could be days, could be weeks. You, you come to, but you can't see. You've got hoods over your heads. You, you feel a tight rope around your necks, every one of you. And in the background, you can hear heavy steps pacing back and forth in front of you. Uh, you try to struggle with your bonds, but they just won't give. You're just so weak. You're, you're drained of all energy, and you can barely stay conscious. You can't remember why you're here, but you remember the village. You remember the people that were killed. Gary! Remember the soldiers. Remember the ogres. Borner, you recall being out with Eliza in the woods and overhearing the soldiers being told to raise the town. You all hear the creaking of iron as the ground beneath your feet sways slightly. You must be on a ship or a boat of some kind. In the distance, you can hear what sound like hymns. You can hear the clock chiming. You're, you you feel like your time has come. One, two, three. Countdown to noon continues. Six, seven, eight, nine. The, the bells toll steadily, and you keep struggling to no avail. You're just desperate to get out of there, and you hear twelve. So you brace for the coming fall. The snapping of your neck, the crushing of your windpipe, the severing of your spine, and whatever the hereafter would bring. 
All is still as one by one your hoods are removed and you see a, a tall woman with long brown hair held back in a ponytail and and she's smiling at you. Who the fuck are you? So I, I don't have I don't have much time. I know her, my name is Eleanor Shank. She's like, listen, you're, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be dead. Um, I, I've arranged. The guards are going to bring you back. They're going to they're going to put you back in your holding cell. Okay. Um, I've listen. I, I'm I'm going to get you out of here. Okay. I I, I I don't have much time. She looks. There's only there's only two guards in the room. She goes. It took me it took me a lot to get in here. You, you're on the redemption. Uh, it's a, it's a ship. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what Lord Lord Thornridge plans to do with you with you all, but uh, you don't want to know. I know he's got he's terrible means. He's a, he, he tortures his victims. He's a, he's a just a terrible guy in general. Um, she's like, I, I need to I need to get you out of here. Um, listen, I, I've arranged when you when you go back to the holding cell. There, there is a grate on the on the far end. One of the guards is going to unlock it. I need you tonight when when. He makes his rounds. He's going to unlock it. I need you guys to go. He has to lock it again a couple of hours later. So you've got a short window. I need you to go out. There'll be a boat waiting there. There'll be provisions. There'll be everything you need. Uh, you're just going to have to wait a few more hours. They're going to take you down to the holding cells. And then a guard knocks on the door. Agnes. Are you all done in there? Listen, you don't, you don't have much time. This is what I need you to do. There's a, there's a man being held with you. His name is Amos Grast. Um, I, I need you to, to take him with you. He's got to come. He's got to come out. Um, have him, have him out on the boat. Listen, I, I need you to get to festival. Okay. There's, there's a friend of mine. His name is Uriah Agaric. I need you to find him. Okay. I, I, I don't have much time. Um, can, can you guys do it, please? Uh, can, can I count on you? Why us? Where's my family? Agnes. I, I don't, I, I don't yes. know a lot. I, I really, I really can't help you. It took me a while to, to track you down. Um, I, I, I just need you, it's... Who are you? My name is, my name is Eleanor. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the Thieves Guild. I, I can, I can explain another time, um, but I, I, I just need you, uh, I need you to get Amos out. Can you do it for me, please? If we don't help you, are we dead? Is that the bargain? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid it's worse than death. All right, I'm convinced. <laughs> Oh, Worse than death. That sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so. Wait. Wait. Literally, <laughs> I forgot he was there. <laughs> Who is he? Who are you, Green Man? Foreigner. Did Did you live in Wiccan? I've lived in Wiccan for uh, at least a year now. Oh, so you have. Oh, interesting. I've met you before. Have you? I, I, I don't seem to remember. Anyways, moving on. Don't we need to do something? <laughs> don't we have something to do? I'm not leaving this boat without my son. Listen, I, I, I think... I suppose your wife is secondary to an issue. I must leave this boat. My siblings are out there. Gary. Except for Gary. If they're alive, this is the only way you'll be able to get to them. <laughs> Gary. You, you sent them out into the woods alone. Agnes. They had a better chance of running. Without me there to slow them down. Your siblings are probably dead. Don't say that, and he's gonna he's gonna slap you. Don't you dare say that. Oh, if 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 that dog is guiding them, they're absolutely dead. Okay, well he's he will he will get right up in your face. Bite him. Bite him. Bite him. Bite him. Bite him. Bite him. No. 
I, I jump off my stool and start swinging at him. All right. Yeah. Like, shut up. Don't you dare say that. Don't you dare. They ha- they're alive. They have to be alive. So she says, okay, the, the guards are coming now. I, uh, okay. Uh, so the guard uh, walks in. So, like, alright, that's, that's all the time you get with them. She's like, that's alright, you can take these take these prisoners back to the cell, that's that's fine. Um, and the guard starts escorting you guys out. So they take you down the hallway. Kellen's struggling the whole way. Cherry's just limping along. Where's Agnes? So they walk you down the catwalk, yep. one by one. They drop you into uh, this... Uh, it's, it's a hold as you... As you fall down, the water's about knee-deep. It's just murky as hell. Um, there's a lot... A lot of the prisoners just have foul sores from exposure. Everything is damp. Uh, the walls are slippery with black mold. There's um, about 40 other prisoners just trudging about in there, squabbling and talking and crying. Uh, there's a uh, a roof of iron bars. And, and in the hold, there's a, a couple of, like, small islands of, like, flotsam that have gotten in there that they've kind of stacked up um, that allows for a couple of people to stand on to stay dry. So they take you one by one and just drop you into this dark hold with about 40 other prisoners. Uh, Kellen's gonna kind of push his way through all the other prisoners in muck to see if he can find Agnes. Agnes! Agnes! So as you do, like, a lot of the a lot of the people just kind of They'll, they'll, they'll push you back. It's sort of like uh, trying to maneuver your way through a mosh pit in an Azalea Dying concert. Sweet! He pushes harder back. Agnes! 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 Agnes. Agnes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>